1: Today in history, in 1953, in the year of our Lord, uh, Hugh Hefner published the first edition of Playboy magazine featuring Marilyn Monroe as the magazine's first centerfold.
2: Welcome to What the Fuck History, where we discuss the wackiest and wildest things that make us say, well... What the fuck, history? I am your penniless Scrooge McDuck, Zachary.
1: I'm Megan, and I've been promised some really banger stories tonight.
3: My name's Matt, and Grandpa Joe is a fucking villain!
1: Oh my god! <laughs> you are right, he is! From Willy
3: Wonka? Let's jump into it. We can debate it later, Megan. Right now, I've got a story. I've got a banger. So cr- a game no, of rock, a game rock paper scissors has been played, but I superseded that because my story is a beefy boy, so he's gonna go first. Is that okay? Is everyone all right with that? But my yeah. body is ready. Yes, we, we,
1: this, <laughs> has been pre, this has been pre-discussed. This has
3: been predetermined by fate, and so me discussing it with you here is simply for the audience. Yeah. But it's important Much to let like them know that they're in on this decision too.
1: Matt. Much like predestination. What's you know?
2: Unlike Uncle Joe's body, my body is ready. Who's I'm Uncle out of Joe? the chair. Uncle Grandpa Joe. Grandpa Joe? Know. Grandpa I'm Joe. fucked
1: it
0: up!
2: <laughs> <laughs> that's where I'm at tonight, folks. Uh, yeah, unlike Grandpa Joe, I'm up and out of bed. Awesome. I'm
3: ready, oh, thank Joe.
1: God. I was Great. worried about the Willy Wonka reference.
3: <laughs> it is? Yeah, no, you're right. You were, for sure. Uh, he's he's like, a villain, and I'm tired of Joe? pretending that he's not. Um, okay, that's fair. As a matter of fact, because that movie lacked any certifiable villain, I could safely say that Grandpa Joe is the villain of Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. But that's not what we're here to talk about. Are you guys ready for some stories?
1: Yes. We'll return to the Willy Wonka thing later. Okay.
3: All right. Let me Go. let me set the stage for you guys. Okay. It was August 30th. In the year of our Lord, 1904, in the great city of St. Louis, Louisiana!
1: Louisiana has a St. Louis? Yeah, St. Okay.
3: Louis, Louisiana. It's great. Maybe it's St. Louis. I don't know. Maybe it's...
1: <laughs> can you say Maybe it it's more a little...
3: French? Maybe, yeah,
2: St. Louis. I was gonna say, um, the fucking go. French, but then again, we have a French audience, so I'm not sure I can say that anymore.
3: We have two people that listen to us in France, let's not call them A whole
1: audience. French audience. Might we as well... have them.
3: <laughs> Might as well be an army, Zach. Let's...
1: We have them, and (laughs) what I say to them is, bonjour.
3: So, the Olympics were being held uh, in 1904. Uh, This was the first Olympics that was being held in the Great Americas. Um, But they were being held alongside the World's Fair, uh, which was also happening in St. Louis. um, Or St. Louis, depending on, you know, how you're feeling. Um, Very French. Very French tonight. So, uh... (laughs) But the World's Fair was kind of a big deal, obviously, and so the Olympics were kind of paling in comparison <laughs> to that. Uh, but I'm going to cover a portion of uh, the World's Fair in a different episode of What the Fuck History because while I was researching this story, I also researched a bit of that, and oof.
2: Um,
3: <laughs> but what I want to talk to you guys about uh, is the the tippy-top of olympic events at the time the marathon and i want to tell you guys about how uh this year of our lord 1904 is the year that almost got the event entirely canceled for all future olympics
1: <laughs> oh i'm so they're ready they're like for it. running is too controversial you know there are god
3: wait until you hear this story because i cannot stop smiling <laughs>
1: Dude, the energy that you are bringing to this is powerful. Dude, I'm,
3: so, I'm pumped. I'm fucking, it's...
1: I'm actually, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to put myself on mute, and I'm going to let you just drive this story home. I don't want any interruptions, and here we go. So I'm going to
3: tell you guys about some of the competitors who were, like, weird. These guys were fucking weird. Um, and I say that because only some of them were, like, legitimately runners that were qualified in normal ways, like running the Boston Marathon or anything like that. Um, The rest of them were just straight oddballs. Uh, So I'm going to throw some names at you. Sam Malore, A.L. Newton, John Lorden, Michael Spring, and Thomas Hicks. Um, All of these people were Americans, and they had all qualified for the race in the normal ways. Um, I guess you could call them real runners. Uh, and then there's a guy named Fred Lors, who's also an American, but he was a bricklayer by day. And so he never had time to actually officially qualify for a race as far as like Boston Marathon or any of the other trials. And the only way that he qualified was because there was a special race that was sponsored by the Amateur Athletic Union that uh, was five miles And he qualified via winning that. So (laughs) I'm now going to go forward and explain all these oddballs to you. There were 10 Greek runners who had never participated in a marathon.
1: Ever. (laughs) At all. (laughs) They were like, hey, They, they like pulled some guys off the street. They're like, hey, you got anything going on on a Saturday afternoon? And they're like, no, I was like planning on a nap.
3: Okay, but along with these 10 Greek runners that had no experience in um, running marathons, there were also two runners uh, that came from South Africa, and they were on display at the World's Fair, um, and they decided to, you know, show up on race day, and uh, they showed up barefoot.
1: When you say, wait, what do you mean by on display? Okay, so...
3: As I said, I'm going to explore this a little bit more in a different episode of What the Fuck History, but picture the World's Fair being the most racist thing. <laughs> <laughs> you yeah. know what? You don't need to yeah. say
1: anymore. I got I'm,
3: you. I'm, I'm really not going to delve much deeper into it, but I will in a future episode, so stay tuned for that, listeners. Um, so anyways, along with these um, people from South Africa, these non-running Greeks... Um, we also have a gentleman from Cuba. His name is Felix Carvajal. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that wrong, and I'm so, so sorry if I'm fucking it up. Um, but he is from Cuba, and he raised money to come from Cuba by running races all over Cuba. At, at, at some point, he, like, ran the entire stretch of um, the island. So Felix arrived in New Orleans... And then proceeded to lose every single penny that he had in a game of dice. And he had to walk and hitchhike to get to the race in St. Louis. Anyways, St. Louis, sorry. Yeah, thank you. (laughs) Of all uh, the people that I've already mentioned to you, uh, Felix is the one that arrives most unprepared. Let me tell you what this guy's steeze was as he steps up to the runner's platform. Long-sleeve shirt. (laughs) long pants. Good. Excellent. Street shoes and yep. a beret. <laughs> uh but to make it fair for the other competitors, one of uh one of his co-competitors did find a pair of scissors and cut his pants into shorts for him.
2: <laughs> How generous. So generous. <laughs> that's that's the sportsmanship I want to see at the Olympics. <laughs>
3: so on August thirtieth, year of our Lord nineteen oh four, at precisely three oh three p.m.
1: That's very specific. The starting
3: gun is fired. Now, I don't know how many of our listeners are actually familiar with marathons. There's a good chance that you know some of them might not know what a marathon is. Although, if they're students of history, they probably do. Anyways, a marathon is a, a is it twenty four point eight five? Twenty-eight point six. It's not twenty. No, it's twenty-four. Six. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the hell I'm talking. about. Is it twenty? Oh God, I didn't do my research good. Did I? <laughs> did I, boys? Mean? Length of a marathon.
2: Yes. I don't. I, I personally never would be able to run a marathon, so I've never Ooh, bothered to look how long neither. it is. It
3: is uh, twenty-six miles.
2: Okay. My bad, bro. I get twenty-eight point
3: six. Guy, I've got no clue. I, don't know. I think it's twenty-six point eight five miles. Anyways, that's maybe. Um. So a marathon is a 26.85 mile race. And uh, it was started way back when, when a guy was running to tell someone that they had won a battle in Greece and then he died immediately and it was fucking awesome. But on this day, I don't want to keep saying year of our Lord. On this day, August 30th, um, (laughs) the temperature was well in the 90s and the humidity was also fucking up there through the roof it would make the sweat drop down little john's balls is what will (laughs) say um so normal marathon courses as far as i know aren't like super hectic but there was a race official uh for the course in 1904 that was quoted as saying it is the most difficult a human being was ever asked to run over there were hills that were anywhere between 100 and 300 feet, and the inclines were not soft slopes. They were brutal ascents. Traffic was not stopped for the event, so, like, foot traffic and car traffic, the runners had to, like, dodge and weave through.
2: If you can dodge a car, you can dodge, you can ball. dodge a ball. Yeah,
3: but they're not playing dodgeball. You're running a fucking marathon, so good luck. We have no advice for you. Um, There were only two water stations throughout the course and they were stationed at the six mile marker and the 12 mile marker and the ambulatory crew that was driving alongside runners kicked up so much dust that so many runners had coughing fits. And when I say so many runners, I mean, like, a good amount of runners. One of the one of the runners actually came very close to being the first ever fatality in a marathon <clears> because <throat> the dust that was kicked up caused severe hemorrhaging in his lungs and esophagus as it coated his throat and lung.
2: What? Yeah,
3: dude. Fucking crazy. This is what I'm talking about. This is bonkers. I'm going to tell you about... All these people as they're running the race. One of the South African um, runners, his name was Len Tao. He got chased a mile off course by wild dogs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know what's going on in St. Louis, but uh, bonk.
1: It's anarchy. <laughs> it's honestly anarchy, which is exactly what I picture in the South.
3: John Lorden started vomiting pretty early into the race and decided to quit.
1: Yeah, that would be me, honestly.
3: Yeah, right? <laughs> I'd vomit two steps in and be like, I'm done, guys. I can say that I participated, but I'm not here.
1: I'd vomit on the car ride over.
3: Felix Carvajal was making good time, uh, but he stopped repeatedly on the course. He stopped a few times, actually, to talk to spectators. <laughs> Uh, Like I said, he came from Cuba, so he did this in, like, super broken English, but, like, he would frequently make stops and, like, talk to people. And in one case, he stopped next to a car, and he noticed that the people in the car were eating peaches, and he asked them, like, yo, can I get a peach? And they said no. So he was like, (laughs) he was like, fuck you and your peach hoarding. So he stole two of the peaches, and he started to run away.
1: (laughs) He had time to be in this marathon and also... Pull off a peach no, ice. No, like I'm
3: telling you, they did not stop traffic for this. So, like, he probably was just, like, waiting at a red light and stole some peaches from these people that were like, no, we're just going to keep these peaches for ourselves.
2: He stopped at a red light with traffic and was like, are those some juicy, boys, some in juicy boys in there? some juicy boys in there? And they're like, not for boys. you. And I he's like, well, shit, boys. I'll steal
3: them. Look, what's over there? It's me stealing two peaches. So he, he steals these peaches and he keeps running. Um and then he takes a detour into okay. an apple orchard. <laughs> He's got a thing for a Was fruit, he hungry? Doesn't. Dude, this guy's awesome. I he must have been. But so he, he takes a he calories. takes a detour into an apple orchard and he decides to eat a few apples. However, the apples were rotten okay. and he immediately began to feel sick and so he laid down and took a nap. <laughs>
1: Okay. Marathon is and still happening. And that's where happening. we're going to
3: leave Felix for a minute. We're going to go back to um, Sam well, He he's Marathon sleeping, is still so. happening for sure. So so Sam Malore started to get cramps in his legs and he eventually dropped out of the race as well. Fred Lors also began to suffer from cramps. But instead of dropping out of the race, he decided to hitch a ride in one of the cars. Yo, <laughs> the smartest man. Like a champ. And he began to, like, wave at all the other runners that he was going by. He was running, like, he was waving at spectators and runners, and it was amazing. This man is amazing, and he's my hero, and this is exactly how I would win a marathon if I was him.
1: Everyone else living in 1904 while he's living in 2004. Still the past, but thinking in the future. (laughs)
3: Yeah, he's definitely not uh, 3,000 and late. No.
1: Yeah, definitely. Like, everyone's already done this. Like, we've already figured out hitching the ride is the we way. We know to how a win. marathon
3: works. If I just take this car to the finish line, you know how it's going
2: to end. It's the first there. It's not the first. It's not yeah, yeah, yeah. The it's
3: the first there. It doesn't say how. It yeah, very right. clearly does. The rules. There
2: are
3: none. <laughs> so anyways, uh, going back to this, Thomas Hicks, who is another American runner, was begging for water at the 10 mile mark. He had just hit, well, I don't want to say just because the difference between six miles and 10 miles is a whole four miles and that's a lot of miles. So he was begging for water at the 10 mile mark and his trainers and his team who were along with him refused to give him any water. Instead, they paused him briefly so they could sponge bath the inside of his mouth.
1: Why wouldn't you just give him water? Isn't sponge bathing his mouth like a cruel more and unusual work?
2: punishment, Megan? Because it's just more words. Damn sure. science! Because so sports what was that say? science says sponge bathing the inside of your mouth is better. Apparently, sponge. Yeah,
1: I think. Okay, listen. I think I can go to a whole department at some college <laughs> and be like sponge bath- sponge bathing for the mouth, and they're gonna be like, never heard Get of that. Out. That was debunked in 1904. Yeah, that's
2: what I'm gonna do as soon as classes start opening up again i'm gonna like slam open the door and be like (sighs) somebody spun my mouth mouth.
3: (laughs) (laughs)
1: somebody spun um, my mouth (laughs)
3: that's what i said and i'm sticking with it because (laughs) i've got a lot more to get through so once (laughs) i don't really have a ton more to get through but it's okay so thomas hicks 10-mile mark, he's he's struggling, but they sponge bathe his mouth. When he's seven miles from the finish line, he again asks for some water, and instead of giving him water, his team gives him a stimulant and some egg whites. So this is actually <laughs> the first recorded instance of a foreign substance being used in an Olympic Games. Mm-hmm. So nowadays we whites. have like all the testing for drug doping and all. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was the egg whites for sure.
1: <laughs> this guy's high on protein. He's high on protein.
3: Fred Loris, who was hitching a ride, um, his cramps clear up, and he rides in the car for eleven miles. And then he exits the car and heads for the finish. And while he's exiting the car, Thomas Hicks's team notices him, and they declare him a liar. And he simply waves at them and just keeps. er not a liar, but a cheater. Sorry, I'm getting excited. <laughs> they declare him a cheater and he like waves at them and just keeps running right
1: wow bye bitches. he crosses
3: the finish line and he's declared the winner
1: like a queen
3: and he's about to get his wreath and his gold medal when someone declares him a cheater in, like, the crowd. So he's disqualified from the race. He says to the judges, like, I was never going to accept the crown. I was just going to accept it as a joke. Uh, I have no basis for that being his actual voice, but <laughs> here we
1: are. I was just going to keep it warm for the I was just going to keep it warm. Race.
3: Let's cut back to my boy Thomas Hicks, who is, like, now in the running to receive this gold medal. Thomas Hicks was not in good shape as I have already mentioned.
1: <laughs> he was actually dead. But
3: when his team told him that Fred Lors had been disqualified, he started to perk up a little bit. His trainers gave him another dose of stimulant and some Ugh. more egg whites, and they let oh him wash God. it down with some French brandy that they had with him. Just give him water! Then they proceeded to, like, fully bathe him in warm water, and by bathe him I just mean, like, dousing him in water this is some cruel form of like water torture here where he's being denied water first of all and then they just have a fuckload of it and they pour it on him like he just won the super bowl and then they ask him to keep running i'm gonna quote now a a race official I can't remember the name of the race official, but this is a direct There quote. were people officiating,
1: because at this point, um, it was anarchy. Yeah, no,
3: totally anarchy, but it is apparently being officiated, so I want to read this excerpt from a race official. Over the last two miles of the race, Hicks was running mechanically, like a well-oiled piece of machinery. His eyes were dull, lusterless. The ashen color of his face and skin had deepened. His arms appeared as weights, well tied down. He could scarcely lift his legs while his knees were almost stiff. So, but this is the crazy part, right? He's subsisted on an entire diet of stimulant, egg whites, and And brandy. brandy. And as he gets close to the end of this race, he starts to hallucinate that he's at the beginning of the race. He thinks he's got 20 miles left to run. He's like completely given up and you know Dude, what his team bastard. you know what his team decides to do to perk him up put more stimulants in you're goddamn right they give him more egg whites <laughs> fuck yeah
1: <laughs> amen brother when in doubt they give him
3: more egg whites and they give him more brandy and then he shuffles his way into the stadium that marks the end of the race <laughs> and he had to be carried over the line by his team while he was kicking his legs to make it look like he was walking, and they just <laughs> let that happen. Sure, Fred Lorce can't ride a car all the way to the end and then just jog in, but this guy can be carried over the line by his team, and it's fine apparently.
1: <laughs> Homie was moving his legs. Yeah, I want
3: I want to tell you this crazy shit too. Through the course of the race, Thomas Hicks lost eight pounds. Oh and it gosh. took him an hour, plus the help of four doctors, before he could stand on his own and exit the stadium. Yep. I also want to say that Felix Carvajal mm-hmm. woke up from his nap, continued to run the course. <laughs> like and, he- and he was fine. And he ended in fourth place. amen bro now there is only one thing that can be said to top this story and it's this sentence thomas hicks was given his gold medal by none other than the president's 20 year old daughter alice roosevelt fuck
2: yes oh yes and that's Uh. my time folks i'm out Okay, so that was the perfect way to wrap that up. I love that so much. And also, I know that a while back, Bill Murray tweeted saying that there should be an average person in the Olympics to see how it all like goes against these super athletes. We fucking saw it there. Yeah, no, I think it was the Greek runners.
1: <laughs> it was everyone who was involved in that race. You had people getting into cars. You had one taking a nap. I think one died. Uh... No,
2: he came real close.
1: Real close. No, I'm pretty sure one of them died. Dude, this is a tale.
3: This is an epic tale worthy of a movie, I'd say.
2: Yes, someone.
3: Yeah,
1: and the whole movie is like fragmented into different perspectives. And like that one guy who fell asleep in the orchard, he's actually the real one. I think
3: it's bonkers that this dude can just straight up
2: nap in an apple orchard and get away with it. Like, what? I'm not cuban at all but hollywood whitewashes a lot of stuff so since we've covered this story can i be the guy that takes a nap in the apple orchard hell yeah guy hell yeah
3: <laughs> let's uh i, I really appreciate what you do I, a
2: marathon the craziest
3: thing the like i was so as i was doing research on this story felix and thomas hicks went on to do the boston marathon the next year oh and my. felix ended up winning the Boston Dude, Marathon. Like he didn't. No, he didn't. Like he didn't get in a car this time. He actually ran it, and he beat <laughs>
2: Thomas Hicks. Are we sure? Not this time. Are but, we sure?
3: But my annoyance is this: like if you could have won it on your own merit, any. Well, I mean, it's a ninety degree day, and it's humid, and he was you were tired. flirting with some spectators, and
1: I'm a my
3: boy. my god, my god, awful.
1: He didn't, but. He's working smarter, not harder. Work smarter, He's not w- harder.
3: Hey, I uh, <laughs> I I'm looked saying. in the rule book, and it definitely didn't say anything about automobiles.
1: Uh. Yeah, I mean, maybe, like, since 1904, they've definitely yeah. added it, probably. Don't get <laughs> like... into
3: cars. That's also the thing that, like, is driving me crazy about this story, too, is they didn't stop foot traffic. They didn't clear the roadway. There was, like... I didn't I don't know if I mentioned this but there was debris on the road which is why the ambulatory oh, uh crews were kicking up dust. There was like construction and loose rock on the road. These people went show. through hell. Yeah.
1: So I'm willing to chalk up some of it this to being 1904 at least for the construction and things kind of being dusty and dirty, but like them not stopping foot Traffic, or like traffic in general. Also, we have the technology.
3: We we can make him better.
1: You just put up barriers, like wooden barriers that we still use today, because they're a tried and true method of telling cars and people to fuck off.
3: Today, I've seen videos of people driving through like five Ks, and they're like. I live on that street just there. I need to get to that street. And they're like, Yeah, we've yeah, got barriers you know. up for a reason, and the person's yeah. like,
1: I want to get home. I want you know, if we take a a letter from, you know, our college that me and Matt actually attended, uh, there were wooden barriers that would raise up if you had a key card to get into the parking lot. And I think at least like once a month the operations people had to replace that barrier because people are like yeah i don't want to take out my card and also i don't want to pay 300 dollars a year for parking so fuck it i'm driving through the
2: barrier it's only
1: wood it's only wood it's and only... my car is two tons of plastic and maybe steel
2: maybe um
1: maybe i don't know what cars are made out of as a pro- <laughs>
2: As a person who has actually like helped with races, I've helped with the Boston Women's 10K before. Oh, yeah, my company set...
3: runs an in, in annual 5K. Like they are yeah. yeah, they're a nightmare to set up and but, like, sectioning you everything out. Like
2: you have to do that or it's fucking it's insane. Like that's how people get run over. You want people to get run over? That's how that happens.
3: Yeah. People definitely got hurt in this race, and like I said, it was not a joyous occasion.
1: Welcome to the Olympics. Wanna see a man die?
3: <laughs> it almost led to the uh, to the cancellation of the marathon moving forward. Yeah, I do oh, I do like that sentiment though, Megan. The uh, welcome to the Olympics. You wanna see a dead body?
1: Watch the marathon. <laughs> welcome. 303 PM. Welcome to the Olympics. How quickly can we kill a whole man? <laughs> <laughs>
2: what's the most what's the longest and most excruciating way we could watch someone literally drive themselves into the grave so in case Uh, anyone's curious
3: about um the topic that i'll be bringing to a future episode we'll uh we'll just leave it at this i'm gonna be discussing a topic called aboriginal day oh boy Actually, I don't I'm know if that's what it's actually excited. called. But, um,
1: okay, you just lied no, to I me. No, I did lie to you. Everything about I lied to everything you. About everything about this is actually...
3: Sentence. Nope, it's Anthropology Day. I know it started with an A. Oh my
1: <laughs> goodness. I mean, they,
3: they're close. Anyways. Okay. Come uh,
1: up to me with false information. I think we've
3: beaten this dead horse into the ground. So Megan, do you have a story for me?
1: Yeah, I do have a story for you, but I was going to ask about the stimulant because I, this is what I'm picturing. Sure okay 1904 1904 um, cocaine yeah they have like one of those big ass like syringes with the needles that are used to you know cocaine. i don't like yeah just like take a pint of blood out of you at a time You've and they're like in
3: your blood you should do cocaine about it
1: yeah, pretty much. They're yeah. just like, hey, do you have time to, like, put this rubber hose on that we use as a tourniquet and, like, get ready to have the ride of your life. You're not going to, you're going to see God. Let's you're do this. You're going
3: to see God. So, it, anyway, was a, it was a stimulant called um, strychnine, I think, is what it's called.
1: That's not a drug we and
3: have anymore. And it can only <laughs> be used in small doses. Uh, nowadays, <laughs> it
2: is used as rat poison. Uh Yeah, I know that. Yeah. Uh do you actually know that? What? Yeah, strychnine. It's it's fucking
3: rat poison. So this guy was getting doses of rat poison and <laughs> egg whites and brandy. Dude, if
1: you could see my face right now, <laughs> it's just like Send me a picture. <laughs> yes, uh, like send a picture in the Discord. <laughs> it's a <agog. laughs> Like I'm moving on. Because like honestly. I feel as though there are so many facets to this story of like, but they can all be put in a manila folder labeled mistakes and things that we shouldn't ever do again. Mistakes
3: in marathoning.
1: (laughs) Mistakes in marathoning. By
3: 1904 Olympic
1: Board. By 1904 Olympic Board. And you know what? We are also staying in this era, Uh, maybe a little bit uh, in the past, because we're going to talk about Dr. John Harvey Kellogg.
0: Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.
2: Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass?" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch.
1: $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com.
2: The Kellogg dude. The anti-masturbatory cornflake dude.
1: Hell yeah, brother. Hell yeah, Let's brother. talk about it.
2: <laughs> Let's talk about how corn makes you not horny is this, Let's is this talk what we're actually
1: sex, talking baby. about? Yeah.
2: We're
3: talking yes. about, okay, you know what? Go for it. Yeah. Go for it.
1: Okay. So Dr. Kellogg was a lot of things. He was a medical doctor, mm-hmm. a nutritionist, mm-hmm. an inventor mm-hmm. of some subpar but very popular cereal for some reason, <laughs> and a eugenicist. So he was a lot of things. And one of those things is not like the other. Well, yeah, <laughs> eugenics
3: is... A horrible, horrible practice.
1: Oh, it definitely is. But he didn't get into that until much later. I bet
3: you thought I was going to say his cereal is a horrible, horrible practice. I that mean... is also true, but.
1: <laughs> it's also an affront to the taste buds, if we're being honest.
3: Anyways, continue. I'm so sorry for. Interrupting. Let's start at the beginning. A very good place to start.
1: Yeah, sometimes I start in the middle, but this time I decided to start at the the advent of this man's life. If you're
3: like the movie Memento, you start at the end. Oh, no, let's not get into Memento
2: tangent. (laughs) Anyways, continue.
1: So, the Kellogg family was very large. It was very religious. They belonged to the Seventh-day Adventist church, which, I don't know, dude. That sounds like some fracture off of Christianity that, like... Megan. Is way too extreme. It's a
3: Protestant Christian denomination. That
2: definitely sounds
3: Good. like a cult.
1: It definitely sounds like a cult and they kind of sound like some of their beliefs sound like a cult oh, okay, well. um, because they believed in the second coming of Christ and that it was imminent. Yeah. And uh, that it was so close at hand that formal education was pretty unnecessary because who needs math when the Lord is on his way right now? Oh, it's
2: definitely a cult.
1: Definitely. But um, so that didn't stop Dr. Kellogg. One, hurrah. Uh (laughs) and he's 10 minutes away he's 10 minutes away he said he left jesus is in the uber and he'll be here in five minutes jesus is here to pick you up in five and you better be ready you better be at the front door with your shoes on anyway (laughs) but that didn't stop dr kellogg from sort of becoming self-taught and becoming familiar with the theories of you know health concerning vegetarianism so he became trained as a doctor and one that was actually one of the early proponents of germ theory in America because germ theory caught on stupidly late here.
3: You don't say? Have we learned it in 2020?
1: You know what? Not sure we have. We haven't. <laughs> but but uh, that, is, that is definitely uh, a can that we do not want to open right now. <laughs> That's a whole bunch of worms. Yeah, we'll do that in another episode about plagues. More plagues.
3: Never enough plagues. Anyway,
1: so he earned his medical degree in 1875, and he became the chief medical officer at the Battle Creek Sanitarium, which was owned and operated by his church. Nice. And it operated based on the church's health principles. So they promoted, like, a vegetarian diet, abstinence from alcohol and tobacco, and exercising, which Kellogg followed himself. So, you know, a pretty healthy lifestyle. But it was here that he developed... His idea for a bland diet to reduce sexual stimulation. (laughs) Yup. Yeah, Zach is just like, I know where this is going. Uh, He was a proponent of nuts and not nutting, which he believed would save mankind from decreasing food supplies. Yeah, you like that joke? I was going to say, Kellogg
2: believed in no nut forever.
1: Oh, dude, no nut November was 12 months a year. (laughs) every
2: day's november he
3: literally woke up one november day and just went no not november no nut
1: ever is my month is my year is my creed
3: i'm never gonna nut i'm
1: never ever
3: i imagine him walking through like this sanitarium that was made by his church and he's like nutting never heard of her."
2: what's that <laughs> um i imagine him having a, a prostate the size of a basketball
1: yeah poor dude guy. right poor like guy. this poor man but everything else was probably really healthy honestly <laughs> like physically wise i'm not talking like psychological scarring
2: well we know he went to heaven so
1: oh yeah he definitely <laughs> doing it for jesus am i right <laughs> Doing it for jesus
2: bless up
1: <laughs> Plus, uh, okay. this is from a man but, upstairs. But I want
2: to
3: have a conversation, like a brief aside to this, because I did, as I so often do in these episodes, I I did briefly scan the Wikipedia page after you said who you were talking about today. Yeah. <sighs> Guys, I hate to tell you this, but uh, he has eight children.
1: No, he doesn't. So let me, let me, no, let me not, get to it. He
2: Okay. Oh, it's, it's getting
1: there. Oh. Okay. Nope.
3: They're I'll not, not his yeah. natural born?
1: Yeah. So let me just, like, go through it, and then we can talk about the hypocrisy or black. Okay, okay,
3: thereof. okay. I'm sorry that I jumped the proverbial shirt.
1: No, it's, it's okay to jump the gun because it is a very funny story. So it was at the sanitarium that he and maybe his wife and brother developed cornflakes by accidentally leaving out some dough overnight and then coming back in the morning and finding it hard as fuck and being like, we aren't remaking it. It's fine. <laughs> and this marks the beginning of what I like to call the cereal wars. Uh, so an argument ensued between Kellogg, his wife, and his brother over who had the most to do in inventing the cereal. But if you look at the patent, only John Harvey's name is on it. But this didn't stop his brother from founding the Kellogg Company and barring John from using the Kellogg name for his cereals. And the cereal wars continued to rage when C.W. Post of the Post Company, who was treated at the sanitarium, founded his own dry foods company post holdings and became a direct competitor with kellogg's corn flakes <laughs> it's like thanks for the treatment and the business idea see you later Losers. I'm gonna
2: make some fucking cereal.
1: Yeah, here's some dry ass cereal. Imagine
3: fucking going to a hospital and you walk away with the idea to make a cereal company. Like, how?
1: How? Uh, <laughs> um, that's what happens when you just have burnable cash, I guess. <laughs> and, like, a lot of time.
3: <laughs> well, let's also talk about the fact that this
2: isn't like, what, the 18 somethings?
1: This is like in the 1880s. Yeah,
2: so they're just having a fuck you money to be like,
1: hmm, cereal
2: sounds like a great yeah. plan.
1: Well, you needed something to do right the internet wasn't invented
2: (laughs) and they couldn't watch um, and they couldn't read the uh the you know drawings of the porn drawings because they were abstinent so
1: that's true you know, it's unclear if C CW Post was actually absent or if he just got sent here because he had some sort of like health issue.
3: So this guy was abstinence till he died. Tell me about tell me about everything that you're still trying to tell yeah. me Yeah.
1: So more importantly, Dr. Kellogg's ideas about healthy living did not stop at diet. He was a big advocate of circumcision to fix uncleanliness, but also to fix the desire to masturbate. Yeah, because the turtleneck uh,
2: really makes you horny.
1: Well, he thought that if you circumcise young boys then it would damage the nerve endings and the sensitivity so they wouldn't oh. want to they would have less feeling oh
3: so he was yeah so he wasn't a proponent of circumcisions he was a proponent of botched circumcisions
1: yeah well he was a proponent of he was a surgeon he was actually a pretty skilled surgeon mm. um he actually circumcised himself at the ripe age of 37 yuck
3: that is a sentence <laughs> i did not need to hear I am so taken <laughs> aback by that whole thing. Oh. Can we rewind time? I need bleach for my ears.
1: No, we cannot rewind time. We can only move forward. Uh, Kellogg was also influenced by Sylvester Graham. And if that name sounds familiar, that's the guy who inspired Graham Crackers and was also really against uh, masturbation. Oh my God they all hated it these people kellogg um when kellogg was unmarried too he published a book about his views called the plain facts about sexual life and this is where what you were talking about comes in where he has a wife and he has these kids Mm -hmm. so when he finally did get married on their honeymoon he and his bride did not consummate the marriage they just wrote an additional 156 pages of his book about sexual life without having sex
3: Darling, I know what would be really great for this honeymoon. I know that most couples consummate their love. Do you want to write a book?
2: And
1: she's just like, oh... Good, yes.
2: I think next episode, I'm going to have to do something about Salvador Dali, who personally loved to fucking jack off, just to, like, balance this out.
1: Dude, I went to the Dali Museum in, in uh, St. Petersburg, Florida, and, like, it's wild. So this, again, with his children, it should be noted that all of his children were adopted, and he fostered up to 42 of them.
3: Oh, okay, cool.
1: I mean, I mean that's yeah, kind because- of
3: like, okay... The guy's a piece of shit, but it's kind of nice that you adopted kids.
1: Even a clock's like twice a fucking
2: day.
3: Yeah, Yeah, so this is
1: what I'm saying. Like, Zach's right. Like, a A clock is right twice a day, and, like, this guy had really messed up ideas about masturbation, what you should do to young people, like, to curb those desires, which included, like, circumcision, but also applying carbolic acid to, like, women's genitals, (gasps) which I don't... Honestly, I don't think you should be doing that. Also, tying kids' hands together and covering their genitals with patented cages and, like, with electrical shocks running through them. Like kind of fucked megan up. kind of fucked
3: this up. is the second story that you've told me about wherein i have had to think about some gross vaginal imagery yeah i am going to have to say that in the future if you do this to me again yeah. i will have to find the most horrifying story story that you can just fucking go to sleep with um i have one thing to add because yeah. yucky 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 yuck it gross Stop.
2: We're we're talking about cock cages and electroplay. Cock cages is, and yes. electroplay is is <laughs> Kellogg really against it, or is Kellogg the father of kink?
1: I you oh. know what? I have to ask.
3: But then you have to Everybody think about the got fact their that secrets. he's doing this to children, and that's not okay, Zach. Yeah,
2: not okay to children.
3: But but
1: a thirty-seven-year-old man, though, if he wants it, if it's consensual.
2: Thirty-seven-year-old man with full consent. Dude definitely liked to be dominated? Probably. Yeah. And dude liked yeah. dude liked denial.
1: <laughs> he definitely Dude, he definitely did. Like because he's not the only guy, right, who was part of this whole movement. Like you had Sylvester Graham, you had Comstock, yep. you had Kellogg. You, yep. you had all of these people who were very deep into these religious and moral movements, but they all centered on like abstinence and like not masturbating. And it's like, but maybe you just liked
2: so it. So what, what, what you're saying is edging doesn't count because you don't technically come? Mm. I don't know that that's what she said at all. I don't think that's what she said. <laughs> hev-
1: heavily implied.
3: Hey, heavily Zach, implied. I reround the tape just now. I don't think that's what she said. <laughs> I'm here for your theories. Like, I'm here for it. Go off, sis. But, like, I don't think that that's what she said. <laughs>
2: no, I know. I know.
1: It wasn't but. outrightly said, but now that he, he's put the idea out into the open. Oh, mm. Just saying. Ooh. And like to wrap it up, to wrap it like up. Like this guy did uh, Towards, he didn't have but, um. to. Towards the end of his life, uh, he was real into eugenics, like we started this off with, and he started the Race Betterment Foundation, which became a major center of uh, the new eugenics movement in America, and he was real about racial segregation and believed that immigrants and non-whites would, quote, damage the gene pool.
2: Yep, nope, Um, I don't like him anymore. So... I didn't like him to begin with, Next, but
1: <laughs> yeah. I love that you add <laughs>
3: any more. It's like, none of us liked him, Zach. Get
2: with the program. <laughs> That's
3: what I said. Yeah, I, I think didn't like him to Yeah, we all begin started
1: with. this out being like, your cereal sucks, but let's see what you have to offer. And what he had to offer was like-
2: Worse than the cereal? Also
1: not great. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: Like, it was just, it's all bad. It's all bad. Yeah. Yeah. Um, He did try to make up with his brother, though, uh, which I think was interesting because uh, after he had the serial wars with his brother, uh, Dr. Kellogg wrote a letter seeking to reopen the relationship and wanting to put the serial wards behind behind them. But his secretary thought it demeaned her employer and refused to send it. But honestly, I think reconciling with his brother was like the least demeaning thing he probably did. Yeah i
3: agree i just had a great visual like mental Mm? visual daydream
0: i guess it's it's 10 o'clock
3: at night so we could call it a night dream although i didn't go to sleep of serial wars being exactly (laughs) like that one scene in any hobbit
1: movie serial wars Uh, coming soon to a theater to netflix near you game of (laughs) thrones
3: serial edition (laughs) yeah
1: tell the captain i send my regards (laughs)
2: <laughs> it's just fucking the, the the frog from honey Smacks, oh, just like driving what, a the sword into Captain Clutch's
1: chest oh. dude if that frog showed up in my house with a knife I'd be like <laughs> listen you win the serial wars I don't care what you need just take my just money take it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> just take my money and he's like I got Count Chocula in the car <laughs>
2: Quick, we're going to the captains. I got Count Chocula in the car. We're going to go kill the Trix yeah. bunny.
1: Dude, Captain <laughs> Crunch <laughs> is... We're going to just... go
3: hunt the Trix bunny. We're going to go on. hunt the Trix oh bunny. They're men of oh, sport. God.
1: Um, So this is, this is vaguely related, but uh, have you guys ever seen or played the game Sunless, Sunless Skies?
3: I've heard of it. I've heard of it.
1: Okay. Well, really quick, you can play a, a captain of a train that flies through the sky, and I made all of my captains... Um. Names After, after cereals. <sighs> well, listen, my first captain was Captain Crunch with an O. Mm-hmm. And uh, my last captain was Comrade F. Lakes.
3: Ah, uh, yes.
1: Yeah. What? So, uh...
3: By the way, the, the my... Honey Smacks frog is named Digum. Uh, no, oh,
2: okay. Me. Um, Did you also know that Captain Crunch's full name is Captain Horatio Magellan Crunch? Yes. What? Yes, I did know that. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> Why did you know
3: that? Because we've talked about it before, along with Chuck E. Cheese's actual name being
1: Charles Entertainment Cheese. <laughs> okay, I knew about the Chuck E. Cheese thing, but I did not know about our ratio. And then it comes crunch. And then
3: it comes out in the wash that Kellogg actually stands for Hi, I'm a huge fucking racist. Do not eat my cereal.
1: <laughs> PhD. You have to All you right, have right, right, right. PhD. PhD. he, he went oh. He went to school to be a piece of shit. I
3: have my PhD
1: in there. But I'm I have my PhD. Into yeah, please sword? segue.
2: I'm going to segue your cereal into my thing because... Are you telling us about Is it the about Magellan cereal? Crunch? I am not talking about the Magellan Crunch. Um, You two are aware. Uh, it's not about cereal. Am I? I might be. You two are aware that uh, yesterday, November 30th, I, under the Triumvirate Productions on Twitter, at Triumvirate underscore pod tweeted at the wonderful and magnificent Arby's that if they would consider sponsoring the podcast, I would tattoo their logo on my body, correct? Yes. Mm -hmm. That is a thing that happened.
1: I recall this. Full
2: disclosure, I've never eaten at Arby's, but I clearly am willing to do beautiful and terrible things to my body and their name. None of us
3: have. In fact, in
2: our research
3: yesterday, we found that Zach's closest Arby's is like 40 minutes away from him. Yes.
1: Yeah, in a town that doesn't exist, so. Where the streets have no name.
2: I'm not here to talk about Arby's. Okay. I'm here to talk about the best fucking fast food plate chain in the world. Sorry, Arby's, if you do decide to sponsor us. We'll fix this in post. But I'm here to talk about the best fast food chain in the world. Which one is that? Wendy's. No. Uh, McDonald's. Burger King.
1: Taco Bell. I don't know. Yes.
2: Because if anyone was wondering what I would sell my soul for, you have your answer. It is a lot of revenue or lifetime supply of cheesy gordita crunches. End of story. Okay, that's fair. Taco Bell. Taco Bell. Taco Bell, the king you know, of the wildest shit in the world.
1: A side note, uh, when I was driving to New York once, uh, you know how your GPS just tells you to take rights or lefts or like to stop at certain intersections? Yep. Yeah. Uh, this was the only time a GPS has ever told me, at the Taco Bell, <laughs> please take a right.
2: <laughs> at the Pizza Hut, at the Taco Bell... At At the the combination combination Pizza Hut and Taco Taco Bell. Bell.
1: At the temple to ruining your body. (laughs) At the temple to my blown out asshole. Okay,
2: (laughs) come on.
1: Come on. Is he wrong, though?
3: Can you guys guys be quiet for just a second? Just hang on. Just hang on. I'm going to talk directly to the listeners. Dearest listeners, I, Matt, would like to apologize for whatever imagery came to your head when my co-host, Zachary, said, blown out asshole. Zach, you are (laughs) welcome to continue speaking
2: now.
1: I'm still losing it. Hold on. (laughs) Yeah, I don't. He hasn't recovered yeah. yet. much like that. Much like all of those runners <laughs> in the marathon in 1904 oh, who never recovered because no, they died. No. <laughs> I think that
3: one guy for sure died.
1: He definitely died, dude. Like, what was the medical? Uh, what was the medical survival rate? They're all I'm dead
2: at this in point, one. anyway. So, yeah, for sure. In the the far distant past of 1996
0: okay taco
2: bell did something absolutely wonderful they yeah. took a full page ad and appeared in six major newspapers the philadelphia Inquirer, the new york times the washington post chicago tribune dallas morning news and usa today announcing that they had purchased the liberty bell i'm uh, sorry what the full what? ad reads and i'm sending it to you right now over in discord so you can see it oh god it says in an effort to help the national debt taco bell is pleased to announce that we have agreed to purchase the liberty bell one of our country's most historic treasures it will now be called the taco liberty bell and will still be accessible to the american public for viewing while some may find this controversial we hope our move will prompt other corporations to take similar actions to do their part to reduce the country's debt
1: Okay, you know what they also could have done? Just paid their taxes.
2: Wait, but it continues. In a separate (laughs) press release, Taco Bell explained that the Liberty Bell would divide its time between Philadelphia and the Taco Bell headquarters in Irvine. Taco Bell said that it was simply going one step further than adopting a national highway. By purchasing one of the country's greatest historic tre- treasures,
1: Taco Bell. This is dystopian. Yep,
2: they boasted Taco Bell's heritage and imagery has revolved around the symbolism of the bell. Now we've got the crowning jewel of bells. What
1: are they talking I about? Don't get it?
2: So here's the best part. This was all an elaborate April Fool's joke. This press release was given on April first, nineteen ninety-six. Oh my god! Oh, god. <laughs> oh my. God. so
1: there are thousands of
2: people just like freaking out because this is like again in major news networks more than 650 print outlets and 400 broadcasts covered the taco liberty bell story they were mentioning that the nothing ordinary about it ad campaign more than 70 million americans were exposed in the media event throughout radio print and television coverage it was on nbc nightly news the today show cbs this morning cnn And, as I said, USA Today printed this full-page ad. And this is before the advent of, like, real internet, before social media, before anything. So people fucking believed it.
1: I mean, when you were reading it and, like, when I'm looking at the picture that you have sent, it looks believable. I mean, don't ever question
2: the
3: gullibility of the American public. I mean, absolutely not.
1: it's not even the gullibility. Well, there there is the, the gullibility part, but there's also, like, we are such, we are enthralled to corporations. They have so much power. Mm-hmm. They have so much lobbying power. So if Taco Bell, the CEO, Mr. Taco Bell, <laughs> walked up to the American government and was just like, hey, I want to purchase the Liberty Bell to reduce the national debt. And they were like, uh, not really sure about that. And they are like, here's a billion dollars. They're like, mm, well, you drive a hard bargain. Here's yeah. a national treasure. Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, but I'm also
3: talking about, like, the War of the Worlds radio broadcast, which happened in, like, 1938. Oh,
1: Roswell? Yep. No, no, no.
3: I'm talking about, like, legitimately the War of the Worlds. This guy went on radio and said, like, aliens are coming, and because it was on the radio, so many people believed it, that there was widespread hysteria. You know what? I could probably yep. cover that in a different, but... Let's talk (laughs) more
2: about how Gullible... So, this whole thing was dreamed up by an entire team at Taco Bell. Um, Jonathan Bloom, who was the Vice President of Public Affairs, was, like, the head on this. And also went on record that they came up with this idea in mid-March. Like, a fucking couple of weeks before they did it. They were like, this would be a great idea. And they went for it. And the reason they were able to do it is... So, they had their ad agency, Payne & Associates who's like this really big, important, highfalutin, respected ad agency. They yeah. had the ad agency bring it up, draw it up, call it a day, and told them, don't send it out until two days before publication. So because Payne & Associates was super well-known as a you know viable ad agency, it didn't raise any red flags for these print businesses to get a full-page ad from them and be like, okay, yeah, cool, we'll print it. And the newspaper's didn't even examine it because they were like, yeah, it's pain and Associates. Whatever, they want a full-page ad for Taco Bell? It's another Tuesday. And so they didn't have time to really it's... proof it because they didn't give them time to proof it. And so it just turned into this giant fucking thing until even to a point where the White House got in on the joke. The same day, Bill Clinton's press secretary, Mike McCurry, told reporters as part of the ongoing privatization efforts, quote-unquote, We'll be doing a lot of series like this. Ford, Mo- Ford Motor Company is joining you today in an effort to refurbish the Lincoln Memorial. It will become the Lincoln Mercury Memorial. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> which was a total farce. Like, it, they literally were like, fuck, this is a great joke. Which it was. Um, so, on Still April is, 1st... Still is.
3: I laughed at it.
2: At noon, uh, Taco Bell does issue a second press release in which they're like, yeah... It's a joke. They describe it as, quote, the best joke of the day, and the company announced that they would donate $50,000 to the upkeep of the Liberty Bell. So, they weren't total dicks about it, but they literally were like, can we prank the entire country? Oh, yeah. And the answer is yes. I think we can. And they did. And it doesn't even sound like it was that hard. No, it wasn't. But, like, also, it's fucking great. I love Taco Bell so much more for this. Oh, my God.
1: I don't think, like, this is the first time either that Taco Bell has released, like, very interesting media campaigns. Like, I think in 2001, they also had a campaign where if uh, a spacecraft landed on Earth um and it hit this 40 by 40 target in the middle of like the pacific ocean which was the
2: taco bell logo
1: yeah yeah everyone in the united states would get free taco free taco yep and like on the target it said free taco here (laughs) yep it was the myrrh the 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 myrrh spacecraft yep it was it was was coming out of orbit and if it hit the target everyone got a
2: free taco (laughs)
1: Yeah, dude, in 2001. They also had that uh, really
3: cute ad campaign with the little chihuahua.
1: Yeah, so here's
2: what I will say is Taco Bell lives by their slogan, and they live Moss. They fucking live live balls to the wall, and I love them for it.
1: Yeah, dude, I think we should all take a note from Taco Bell, not by the Liberty Bell, unless you have that kind of fuck you money and live Moss.
2: So here's the thing, in the ad it says that they purchased it from the United States government, which is technically impossible. Because the government, United States government does not own the Liberty Bell. The city of Philadelphia owns the Liberty Bell.
1: I bet they could use a billion dollars. Very nice.
2: But I'm sure they could, you know, talk to Philadelphia and be like, Hey, Philly, you got Rocky. Can we have the bell?
1: Can we have the bell? And they're like... You have a
2: fictional character. Can we have the bell? Can we have a a historical monument? For tacos?
1: For tacos? (laughs) And they're like hell yeah brother the outer the outer limits of philly look bombed out we could definitely <laughs> use that billion could definitely use it but i that was good um that, i don't have anything no, else that's an amazing you guys? story i think uh, yeah.
3: i think i i think i've been sleeping on taco bell this whole time i thought you know never sleep on taco bell taco bell The
1: gps doesn't sleep can't. on taco bell the gps
3: acknowledges taco bell I don't know, Zach, you don't have anything to add to anything?
2: I mean, not to anything else. I mean, I, what I will say is I think, you know, these are some great stories. And if you like these stories that we tell and the goofs that we tell, be sure to, you know, make to uh, like and subscribe to wherever you get your podcasts, whether that's Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts. Be sure to follow us on all of our social media. We're on Twitter at the at Triumvirate underscore pod. We are on Instagram at at the 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 underscore triumvirate underscore productions we're on facebook and yeah if you like what we do make sure you tell a friend because that's how we actually get to keep doing this
1: yeah i can't i don't know if you know by the very subliminal message that's going <laughs> on we'd like you to share <laughs> hey, yeah definitely i don't know if it was i don't know if you heard that
3: demonic enough. chanting in the back there but definitely share us <laughs>
2: Yeah, I mean, other than that, other than thanking everyone who does listen and asking everyone who listens to, you
0: know,
2: Share recommend us, us uh, yeah, yeah, in I, a less creepy
1: way. I think we yeah. just have one more question, Yeah, right? right, Matt?
2: I mean,
3: I've got a lot of questions. I'll be honest with you. Um, why is the sky blue? Uh, it's
1: a Google call. Yeah, Google, Google could Google answer. You know away. what? I
3: do have one question now that I'm thinking about it. I pulled it out of my pocket just now.